to Learning Now Radio, bringing you the best news, views and interviews from the team that brings you Learning Now TV. This is Learning Now Radio. On this episode of Learning Now Radio, I am delighted to be joined by Christina Gadd, who's founder of How to Accelerate Learning. I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Christina for Learning Now TV, but it was both a pleasure and a frustration because I felt that we only just touched the surface of representing the work that Christina's done over many, many years and her main focus being on accelerated learning. So that's what we're going to speak about today. So, Christina, thank you so much for joining me on Learning Now Radio. And thank you so much, Lisa, for inviting me. And I've just been really looking forward to it as well. So having a good old chunter with you. Uh, and by the way, for podcast fans today, the word of the week is chunter, I've decided. Perhaps my favourite word of this month. See if anybody can better it. So let's start the chuntering. It doesn't quite sound right. I hope I'm not being rude to anybody. Let's start the chuntering. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk about chuntering along in learning and development. Um, obviously, there's so much conversation at the moment, Christine, and you were at the CIPD L&D show as well about the future of learning. What is going to be the right fit for learning and development in organisations moving forward. And that's why I wanted to speak to you about accelerated learning, because I, I wanted to know from your perspective, Christina, why do you think that this is an approach that really is fit for purpose today and why you're such a fan? Well, why I'm such a fan is because when I came across it, it was sort of like... Um, gosh, I do that stuff. And yeah, I've heard about that stuff. And yeah, I wanted to try that stuff. And yeah, this really works. It really resonated with me. And it sort of like gave explanations as to why some things worked. Um, and my one frustration with it, with it all was that I read lots of books about it, but there wasn't one single approach. And that's a frustration, but also the beauty of it in lots of ways, because there's lots to be developed in this field of accelerated learning but uh, I've come up with my own sort of like what I call five secrets to cover what I feel actually does help to accelerate learning through organizations and so um, that's what I've been working towards because it's helpful for clients to, to get a handle on just sort of five key things and these are like really really broad brush areas that they can focus on and I could spend probably a day talking about each one of them but it's nice to have like those five key things rather than a model that covers bits of it or another model that covers another bit of it another approach that maybe explains another part um, I've, I've looked at most models out there to do with accelerated learning and my five secrets um, fit in with all of these models they don't they don't jar against it it's sort of like an addition and so I use models um, like David Mayer's uh, four-phase cycle, which I think is a really, really good approach. But my five secrets sort of like overlay over all of those models. And um, for me, it's sort of given me um, a focus and a way forward. So what would be to start before we dive into those five areas, because I think they're, they're really important, those five secrets. But what would be your definition so somebody's brought you in christine as a consultant to say we really want to transform our approach to learning we've heard about this accelerated learning 
What is it in layman's terms? In layman's terms, um, it could be, accelerated learning could be a bit confusing because you just think about speed then, don't you? And I think it can, to me, it's about retention, but also the fact that you get um, better results quicker. And so that's, that's it in a nutshell. You get better results quicker and you get more retention. Now, um, the, the irony of it is when people say, oh, is it really, really much faster? Um, you have to work quite hard to make sure that you get the results that you hope to. Because, you know, things like pre-work or looking at objectives, doing an analysis, take time. But actually, if you look over a period of time, you know, when you compare it to, um, you know, the normal type of learning, um, to accelerated learning. Elliot Maisie um, years ago did um, some studies on, on, I think it was in IT, and he found that there was a, a 300% improvement in retention of information, which, again, stuff like that really spoke out to me. You know, if something is claiming to be like 300% better than something else, then why not have a look at it, you know? Even if it doesn't uh, come out to be true, it's worth having a look at it. And um, from what I've used and what I've seen, and um, there's one client I work with, um, Atos, and the L&D manager came back and she said, well, it's cut our preparation time uh, down by 30%. So there's a speeding up there in terms of, you know, how you approach it as the learning development professional, it will cut down the preparation time because you're making that switch between being a trainer and quite a, a didactic approach to a, a more facilitative approach. Was that concise enough, Lisa? It is, and, and it's why I really like this and I think it's so important for the contemporary discussions that are happening in learning and development because like you said, accelerated learning and I'll just put kind of get on my soapbox for a moment, Christina, is okay. that there's there's such a push I think for um and in certain circumstances incredibly important just in time and performance support learning but the danger is essentially what you're doing is you're just taking what's already been just trying to chunk it down even further and have just short sharp pieces of information then become and that's what how people learn we just make it shorter we'll make it more accessible that's learning what we're actually talking about here with accelerated learning is creating the conditions for people to improve their performance so like you said it's not a it's not a quick plaster to a problem and it shouldn't be interpreted as, oh, no, we'll, we'll just do everything quicker. It's how do we consult closer to the business, develop better business acumen so that we can then facilitate transformation? It, it For me, it picks up on all of those themes that we've been talking about over the last few years in terms of where is the future of the profession? What does the modern learning professional look like? And your five secrets, I think, pick up on that uh, really, really well. And I'd really like to start on that first one, actually, because I think this is the, the key piece here is being business focused and learn uh, business focused, but with the learner center objectives. Tell me how that works in practice when you're with a client, Christina. So. It has to be both of them and it has to be both of them in balance. And that's that's sometimes the tricky bit because a client will call you in and say, well, this is what we need. And so I will always question um, 
and sometimes challenge about what they think they need, but always dig deeper and, you know, try and find out what really is going on underneath the bonnet there, not just what seems to be presenting itself. And so with a client, I'll sort of come up with maybe an approach, some general um, objectives for the organization. Um, We'll talk about what they want to get out of it. But I will always consult with the learners as well and find out what it is that they need as well. Now, that may be, I can do that before I actually meet face-to-face, if it is a face-to-face thing that I'm doing with them. Um, If that's not possible, that might be um, just finding out on the morning, just a quick post-it exercise. And the reason I all of that because you can come up with most fantastic organizational objectives that are going to absolutely have such a great impact on the business but actually the learners that are going to come along the participants aren't really bought into that and so if you just ask them what they need to get out of it that in itself is an indicator to them that you're interested in what they want to learn and what they need to learn and what they need to get out of it. And so you can get that, you can start to get that balance of, okay, this is what the organization needs, but let's see what you want as well. Um, and a really simple example in that might be, you know, you, you, you called in and to do some customer service training, for instance, and, you know, the, um, the customer satisfaction survey, the results are in and they're not not as good as expected. So the organization wants to up the results. And actually, the people who are going to come on the training, if it's going to be training um, the solution, they want to make sure they get their bonuses every month, you know. So there's this tension between what the participants want to get out of it and what the business wants to get out of it. So what I'm saying is that Definitely focus on the business. Try and find out what performance um, aspects you're trying to improve. So find out what it is that's going to make um, the performance better. What What is it that's going to make a real difference? But also find out what it is that the learners need to know and need to do. Now, I can honestly say, Lisa, that most of the time, those two things actually do coincide. But I think there's something important about just that asking process, you know, because a lot of the time there isn't even the consideration um, from a client um, that I would actually be asking the people who are coming along what they need to get out of it or want to get out of it. But I think there's a real sort of step in the buy-in for the actual learners when you do that asking and say, look, what is it you you want to get out of it and where are you now and um and so that's that's why i do it and that's what it ends up looking like is sort of like focusing on the client focusing on the business but ask the learners also what they need and also manage their expectations as well because i do say to them look you know this is what the business needs and this is what we're trying to get out of it and as much as i can i want to achieve those objectives but i also want to achieve your objectives and most of the time i can if there are any occasions where i think you know we might not hit hit the mark with their objectives I'll point them in the direction of resources or, you know, website, a paper, whatever, to sort of help them along in in what they want to get out of it. And they're usually happy with that. Well, and I know that it's a little bit of a a well-used reference point, but there was a piece just this week, um, again on Google, talking about the fact that Google has been ranked again as the best place to work. And the... um, 
both the anecdotal evidence and also the kind of detail of their people strategy, as it were, um, and the the way in which they manage their people without the organisation, is that what's reported more than anything else is that people feel they have ownership, that they're mm. bought into it, that they make a difference. And in the end, the, the majority of people in an organisation are going to work Yes, they're going to work to support a family and to achieve an income, etc. But they do want to make a difference. They do actually want to do a good job. And sometimes I think we, we forget that. And the like you said, the simple act of asking and getting their input, I think is incredibly important. And I think what it does is it, it really helps lay the foundation then for your next point on being a facilitator, not a trainer, because this is about the transformation doesn't happen because the organisation has written a strategy saying that's how we're going to move forward. And it doesn't come from the trainer saying these are all the skills you need to move forward. It's the individuals. So being a facilitator helps them find their own journey. Absolutely. And I think what you were saying about everyone wants to, to do a, a good job is absolutely right. And I believe that these sort of five broad, five broad brush areas of accelerated learning that, that we're talking about help them to achieve that as well and, and empower them. And it is a journey that they go along. And, and I've seen that with clients, that we start off with learners who are very much used to being spoon fed. And it's sort of like it's a little bit clunky to start start off with you know I I will send out a survey to find out what they need um, you know 50% people respond to it so I don't chase them up I get the stakeholders to chase them up because you know it's it's more important that they chase them up to be honest because they're bought into it as well so they chase them up and slowly throughout the process um, throughout the programs that, that we run, you're sort of like building up that um, responsibility from the learners. Um, and it then starts to go into that sort of being a facilitator, not a trainer. So um, I started off as an IT trainer and I was really good at telling people exactly what to do, when they needed to do it, even turning over the pages and everything. But I did really nothing for empowering learners to want to learn for themselves. And I can see that now. You know, if I knew what I know now, then I would have been a very, very different IT trainer. Um, and I think a key part of being a facilitator is inspiring people to want to learn more. There's so much learning out there and there's so much stuff that people can get bombarded with. And there's more pressure on face-to-face -face time. There's there's less time that, that people are being are willing to be released into sort of the classroom and so you want those learners to be inspired to actually learn for themselves more and so this you know the accelerated learning process does start this empowerment really you know slowly slowly first of all um, with with the asking first of all but then also the exercises beforehand the pre-work the preparation beforehand thinking about stuff I mean I always give people preparation work to do and sometimes it, it may just be I want you to think about this I want you to consider these three questions so they don't have to do loads of stuff it's about preparing their minds that they are going to come with something and they're not just going to be done unto you know they're not just going to walk in and, and have somebody talking at them for two or three days or whatever it's about them 
participating, doing stuff, collaborating as well. I often do activities beforehand. If it's an in-house um, workshop or program, I often get them collaborating um, and that has an immense effect on teams as well. Um, you know, how they are when they come together and then also how they are when they when they leave that face to face part, because they still want to then go on collaborating. So, yeah, that, that switch from being a, a trainer to a facilitator for me um, happened years ago, um, but I didn't fully live it out until I suppose I, I left the world of IT training. But I was an IT trainer. I got sent on a, a week-long course to do with facilitation skills. And I was very, very cross with my line manager because I just felt they had no place in IT training. But I had the biggest light bulb moment of my career on that particular uh, that particular week and just thought, ah, so you can ask people questions and they they respond a lot more than if you just keep talking at them, you know, because, you know, I, I could be chatting to you, Lisa, and you could be thinking about anything, really. You could be thinking about tomorrow's lunch or whatever, what, you know, what, what TV program you're going to watch. But if I start asking you questions like what your favorite color is, then the brain just goes looking for the answer to that question, you know. So um, so that's it for me is, is that sort of it's, it's part of this empowerment process and it's empowering the learners and it's about a partnership between the facilitator, the learners and also the stakeholders. You know, they are an important part of it as well. Well, I think your definition of an empowering the learners is also a very important point in terms of this contemporary debate about the future of learning because um, going back to the point I made before about, you know, what, what the definition of performance support and just in time, etc. The other that you hear um, often raised and has been for many years is, you know, that learners are empowered and they can be self-directed, that there's plenty going on out there, that they can self-direct their learning, that we need to um, develop more ownership of people's performance in the organisation. They don't need to be spoon fed. They, they don't need to be patronised. However, and this also isn't a, well, let's just create a job for learning and development, which I think is often another accusation of, oh, well, look, you're just trying to create a role there that's not needed. People can do this for themselves. Actually, what we're talking about here with accelerated learning is, as you've put out here, it's understanding how we can get into the context and uh, the understanding of the, the learner's reality, how we can facilitate and make the, the route to better performance easier, how we can facilitate those sort of conversations and put them in touch with content and people and um, activities that will help them get there quicker. And as you point out later in your five tips as well, creating the right environment and creating the right ways in which we convey information so it will maximise retention application these are really really important things and often i think when you hear the conversations around no you should it, it's absolutely self-directed learning i think that's giving doing people a disservice actually in organizations that's not giving both the organization and the individual in there the um investment that they need to realize potential for the business even being that hard hitting in terms of the business has got to achieve its objectives let alone actually frankly making people feel happy and fulfilled which is also very important for performance yeah. but yeah. all of these things i think really hint to the actually this is why there is a very important job for learning to do today it 
because of the fact that there is so much that we could be trying to take in there are so many competing um, messages that we've got to try and filter that if we can be the true facilitators of performance we will save everybody time we will make things more fulfilling to learn but also we'll just achieve a better business outcome as a result Absolutely. And it's really interesting this because um, people talk about self-directed learners and empowering the learners and everything. However, you go into some organizations, I go into some organizations and people feel guilty about Googling something, you know, that is pertinent to their work because there hasn't been that explicit permission. Of course, you can do it. You can do that. You can you can go on YouTube and watch, watch some short clips. The culture hasn't quite caught up with what people are being told that they can do in terms of learning. And it's amazing, really, because, like, you know, at home, most of us these days, if something isn't working or something's broken and we need to fix it, we, we go on YouTube, we look at clips and stuff like that. And yet at work, sometimes people aren't like that. They're not exhibiting the same behaviors that they do at home. And so I think there has to be an explicit, yes, you can do, and there has to be almost like a, a culture shift within the organization to allow people to actually do that learning. There's a really interesting um, activity that I do with people. Um, and I work not only with L&D professionals, but also I've been working with team leaders to help them learn about how people learn so that they can help develop their teams better. And one of the challenges that I set them as a, as a group of people is to come up with like 50 different ways to learn. And they do look at me like I'm completely bonkers you know, the, the 50 ways to learn in an organization, how can that be? And actually, it's amazing because what you see then is they all collaborate and come together. And if there's 10 or 12 of them, you know, they don't have to come up with that many unique solutions by themselves. But the last group that I worked with, they came up with 60 different ways to learn. And I've actually got a, a list of 100 different ways to learn. And I'm, I'm doing some short videos on that at the moment as well. But it's, it's interesting because people look at these hundred different ways to learn and they thought, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Or, yeah, I would do that at home or I wouldn't have thought of doing that at work. And just this exercise has such a huge um, effect on people that learning isn't just training. And I think we need to get away from that and just, you know, open people's minds to the huge variety of different ways that we have that, that we can learn, basically, you know, from just buddying up with somebody to, you know, you might go onto Twitter um, you might just surf the net or look at a TED talk or have a discussion with somebody who's an expert on something. These are all different ways to learn. And yet people are confined within organizations by certain traditional methods and by the culture that, you know, has been fostered within that organization. Or overwhelmed because people haven't done your first secret, as it were, in terms of understanding what the objectives are. Absolutely. So actually be able to yeah. you know, way, make their way through that content, understand what's important, um, be supported with creating the right environment where they can share that with others. So hopefully save somebody else time in the future. And like you said, it's the, the permission to do those things. It seems incredible, like you said, when outside the organisation, that it would be a natural thing to do. But, but like yourself, Christine, I've worked with organisations organizations where there is still a ban on that type of activity or you know the, the USB 
drives a, a shutdown, that, you know, we can't do anything on mobile because of security, etc. You know, forgetting the fact that I'm afraid just about everybody in your organisation will have a small computer in the form of a smartphone connected to the internet right by their desk. So why are you trying to fight the, the way in which we work and live and learn today? Absolutely. And I'm so pleased that you, you picked up on that point about the overwhelm. And I think it can be very overwhelming. Um, one of the things that I have found overwhelming in the past when I when I have worked as an associate in the past is I've, I've been given a, a pile of materials to, to deliver to a client. And I, I start to get this knot in my stomach because I soon realize I really don't know what it is they're trying to get out of it. And from a facilitator's point of view, you can get that overwhelmed because you've got so much stuff that you could include that you end up sort of like, you know, just trying to include everything because that's a great exercise, that's a great activity and all the rest. As a learner, equally, you can become overwhelmed because if it's too woolly, too too broad, then how do you know where to focus? Whereas if you know what the exact thing, what the part of performance is that you're trying to improve, then it becomes quite clear. Now, this group of team leaders that I, I've been working with um, in an organization, that we had an activity where we were setting objectives and practicing you know, how they would do that for their teams. And there was one particular team leader who had um, somebody who was on a performance improvement plan, and they were really struggling to set an objective. And bless her, she was trying to set an objective for probably about five different things that, that, that were connected in some way, but you couldn't just put it in one, one objective. And I sort of talked her through it. I asked a question about what's the most important, what's the, what's the, the best thing that they could do, what's the, what's the thing you're trying to avoid, what, what's the first thing they could do that would really make a difference. And it was incredible because she ended up writing these five objectives and looked up with this beaming smile and said, but I absolutely know now what she needs to do and she'll know what she needs to do to actually get off this performance improvement plan. And it's like, wow, you know what I mean? That's what you want, isn't it? Clarity. If you know what it is that you need to learn, you know what it is that you need to look for and you can start your search and you can try the different methods and different ways of learning. But if you've got a really woolly idea about what it is that you're trying to do, it makes it really, really hard. And so I think the clearer you can be on it, the better it is, not only for the facilitator, but for the learners as well. Well, for anyone listening that wants to start to look at how they can adopt this in their organisation, their practice, because I think they really do need to look at this very seriously, because I think it does very much hint to the future of the profession. Like I said before, I think the skills that you're talking about here will really help set the tone for creating the proper environment and skills and behaviours around helping people to excel in the workplace. I, I love it and I'm a big fan of it. But Christine, if they want to get started, how do they find you and um, how can you support them? They can find me through my website, www www.howtoaccelerate.learning.co.uk and get through. Um, there's a contact form, um, so get in touch with me. We run 
in-house workshops. We run open workshops as well. But also, I mean, if somebody just wanted to have a look at how to set better objectives, the first bit, I've actually got a YouTube uh, video which people can have a look at, and that takes them through the steps of how to set good objectives, starting from perform from organizational objectives through to performance objectives, through to learning objectives as well. And, and it's very clear, and it's about two or three minutes long as well, so they could have a look at that. Well, and as the phrase goes, Christina, you eat your own dog food, because I know one of your five secrets is about learning about the brain to maximize retention. If anybody's ever seen Christina's work, Christina is the absolute don at using um, visual arts to be able to convey messages in a stickier way so I really encourage you to seek out her work because not only is it very well researched it's also really beautiful to look at <laughs> oh thank you Lisa I love doing it that's that's one of the lovely things about it and it encourages me to learn but the other thing is that I'm putting it into a format which actually is easier for me to retain um, and there's something about turning some learning into your own words that really really helps make it stick and so I do it for my own learning um, and also I love drawing and Cool, blimey, who wouldn't want to get uh, who wouldn't want to get paid for colouring in as a job, eh? I love it. Well, exactly that. And in fact, we ought to mention as well that Christina will be curating the Creativity Zone at this year's Learning Live as well. So if you want to check out Christina's approach and her beautiful artwork and perhaps be brave enough, like I'm going to attempt to be Christina because everybody knows how legendarily bad I am at drawing. If you want to be a little bit brave and have a very supporting um, person along Alongside you to create some beautiful art, then seek Christina out at Learning Live this year as well. That's sure to be a lot of fun. Fantastic. That would be great. I am so looking forward to it. Honestly, I am beyond giddy in terms of the creativity zone. We are going to have we are going to have fun, but it's going to be serious fun. We are going to solve some problems for people. So I am going to encourage people to come along with their issues and I'm not going to solve those problems. Everybody else is collectively, collaboratively. That's what I'm really looking forward to. How do you actually get a whole bunch of people together and help each other out? And so not only will there be some great sessions and learning to be had, um, there'll also be an opportunity to solve problems for each other and make contact with each other. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, Christina, thank you again for joining us on Learning Now Radio. It's been an absolute pleasure, Lisa. Thank you for inviting me again. Learning Now Radio. All the best news, reviews and interviews. Well, that's all we have for this episode. I hope you found some useful takeaways to jot down and use back at work. Please remember to share Learning Now Radio with your work colleagues, your Twitter followers, and of course, your Facebook friends. So once again, thank you so much for listening to Learning Now Radio. Please help us to spread the word by subscribing and rating us on iTunes. And Lisa and I look forward to you joining us in two weeks' time.